Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, the Drop-In CEO, and I am grateful you have joined us on another episode of the podcast where week after week, I have amazing leaders who share their insights with you, and I do hope they also inspire you. And if you love this episode, please tell others, don't keep this to yourself. We want others to realize the great value of the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, so we can continue to bring you great programming. And on a personal note, and this is my promise and my passion, I help seep sweet leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And with that, I am so pleased to introduce to you Rob Buffington. He is an experienced consultant in the HOA management space and brings a wealth of experience and knowledge to management companies and mid-sized businesses that struggle with vendor services, staffing, bookkeeping, and overall management issues. He currently owns and runs an accounting firm and a remote staffing company, both of which providing services to this industry. But most of all, he provides the best possible service and consulting to his clients because of the purposeful work and wanting to make a positive difference in the world. It's my pleasure to welcome you, Rob, onto the show. Thanks for having me. So for my listeners a little bit, Rob is such an interesting person. First of all, he has been a business leader. He's been an entrepreneur. He's realized the good, the bad. But what I really want to bring across is who he is as a person realizing he has found his niche to whom he serves, has started a business, taken a risk on himself, started several businesses. And for my listeners, so many of you are talented out there, but don't necessarily take a risk on yourself. And I want you to take control of your careers, but also there is a possibility that you can do it on your own terms and maybe even start your own business. So I'm so excited to glean Rob's insights, but I would love for you to share a bit about yourself personally and professionally and how you got to the work you're doing now. Sure. Well, I started my first business a little over 10 years ago. I didn't have any background. I didn't have any training. My last job was actually as a security guard. So I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, but I got started in the property management space because I had rentals. I bought rentals and managed my own rentals and I wanted to get into property management. But no one would hire me because of the lack of experience. I even offered to work. I'll work six months unpaid just to learn the industry and no one would hire me. So I actually went out and bought a management company and started growing that. It was incredibly satisfying when some of the people that I interviewed with as an individual ended up trying to come work for me as a business owner. My greatest strength and my greatest weakness at the time was that I I had no industry experience, so I wasn't afraid to take chances. I did stuff, and some of it was really dumb, and some of it was awesome. But all in all, it made the company very strong because we were able to pivot and adapt to the needs, particularly in the last couple of years that have changed. From there, we went on to buy and found several other businesses in accounting, staffing, building services, and move them together into one organization that feeds off of each other, all while helping business owners and executives. 
So what I'm curious about with that story is that you made a statement or inferred that you had no experience, but you wanted to jump into this. What was it about you or your mindset or your cheerleaders or what have you that says, but I'm going to take a risk on myself? Because that's a really important point I want to understand from you. I'm not sure if I could even identify it because it's just always been there. In middle school, I was burning and selling CDs, custom burned CDs from Napster. And I've always been trying to do something, trying to build something. It's just there's never been a doubt that that's where the direction would go. I mean, so that's a really interesting concept, no doubt. So sometimes people have put their own barriers in front of, well, I've never done this. I shouldn't. I can't. Who am I? I don't have that experience. We kind of put all these barriers in place. And you started from a place of no barriers. I'm just going to try it, figure it out along the way. And that's noble. But now you, I think, have seven companies. And do you have experience in any of those or all of those? What is it that you just keep believing and saying? Tell me about that, because that is so important, because a lot of us just don't have that stuff. No, I mean, maybe I shouldn't admit it, but in hindsight, I don't think a single business that I founded or bought was one that I was experienced in. The only one I can think of that I actually had experience in is my staffing company. And even that was as my own first customer. So I started with a property management company and then a building services company came on the market and I wanted to offer a broader range of services to my clients. So I bought that. It was very difficult to find good staff. So we ended up recruiting out of Mexico for admin, bookkeeping, customer service. And it was so successful that I formed a company, not even to contract to other people, but so I could provide benefits and things like that. And that is the one that I did found from scratch because a friend of mine said, hey, that's really cool what you're doing. Could you help me find somebody? And I said, sure. And now several years later, we have, if you include all of the companies, we're sitting right about 400 employees total, the majority of which are from the staffing company. But I bought an accounting firm last year because we wanted to beef up our accounting presence. I look at it as I could pay 100 grand for a college education, or I could pay 100 grand as a down payment on a business and learn everything I could while I'm there. So you just always seem to be, uh, as I'm hearing you, a problem solver, or you just had a vision and you just kind of kept going, not worrying about how are you going to do it in the meantime. Problem solver is a really good term. I can't go into a business. I can't go to an event. I can't go anywhere without analyzing and saying, how could I make this better? And at heart, I love helping people. I want to make people's lives better. I want to solve problems and help them change things. So yeah, I've always looked at each business has been the desire to help my existing clients better. And so tell me a little bit more about existing clients. Summarize all of the work that you do amidst all of your different companies. What are some of the services that you do provide? Because it's possible somebody out there in the audience who listens to this now or in the future might say, ah, I need that or I know somebody. Let me be in touch with Rob. So who needs your services and what do you do? Sure. Our main two focuses that make up probably 80% of our organization are Gordian Staffing and Gordian Financial. So Gordian Staffing, we're a remote staffing company with offices in Mexico City, Guadalajara, and Manila. And so we have, between all the companies, we're sitting right around 400, a little bit over 400 employees. This is based off of my own experience. I hired people for myself and it grew organically. But what we do is we help people recruit the best talent regardless of where they are. 
And as a result of the price difference in cost of living, they're able to save some money at the same time. But they get these amazing people on their team. And a lot of businesses we talked about before the show, they're in that difficult position where they're too big to do it themselves, but they're too small for an in-house counsel or an HR manager or something like that. We allow people to hire staff at a lower cost so they don't have to wait until they can afford a domestic salary. And these people stay with the company for years as administration, accounting, customer service, you name it. And so that's the main thing we do. We also have an accounting service, Gordian Financial, because we found so many of our clients wanted accounting help but didn't need a full-time staff accountant, or they needed half of an accountant and half of an APAR clerk. So we started Gordian Financial as a shared services company to help there as well. And then, of course, Gordian Consulting, where we help clients figure out the right path going forward. So this question is very relevant to a client I'm serving now, and I want to understand how you manage this. So anywhere, we can work from anywhere. There is amazing talent anywhere in the globe, and we need to leverage that. And yes, it may be an economical benefit, but occasionally there may be some barriers, some minor barriers, when either it comes to cultural differences or even language and nuances. In one situation, while we had people, some offshore people working with clients, because of the maybe difficulty in understanding or understanding nuances between English, American English versus English taught as a second language. How do you manage that? Because communication is so critical when we're leveraging talent, but we have these minor barriers. How have you made that work? We stay involved in the process. So we don't simply match the people and wish them luck. We check in with them. Number one, we educate both sides. We have orientation. Here are the common pitfalls you can expect. That's why we're only in two countries. I've had people ask, why don't you add the Dominican or Nicaragua or India? And I'm sure those are great places with great people. But I've been working with people in Mexico for a little over five years now, and I'm still learning. I'm still figuring out the ins and outs of the culture and the differences and and how to to work with people of different cultures because they're great people, but you can have different expectations. So I'm still learning that. And same with the Philippines. We've only been there about a year now. So I would rather become an expert on those two places than try to just recruit from wherever Because when we hire people, we check in with them on a regular basis and we check in with a client on a regular basis. We say, how's it going? Anything happening we can help with. Our HR generalists try to schedule a monthly call with the employees and we offer advice of, hey, just a heads up, this is coming up. In past situations, we've seen this. Be sure to be really clear about this. Or, you know, this kind of benefit might be included normally. And we handle all the benefits of taxes and all that. We're that facilitator between the two parties to help them both succeed. You know, what I love about that also is the fact that you don't just provide a service, but you become a partner with both the client and the service providers. That kind of just makes you a little bit different because there's so many companies that say, hey, I've got these inexpensive resources. This will help, you know, make you more profitable. And it's more of a transaction, whereas you focus on relationships. So I love that. Now, I want to just continue going because this is how you serve customers. But the other story is about you yourself and the journey. We've talked a little bit about this, but you talk about having seven businesses. (laughs) And how do you keep it all up? Like what keeps you up at night and how do you keep your sanity (laughs) amidst all of that? 
Well, I mean, the simplest answer is I've got an amazing team. I've been so blessed to have people throughout the years that have started with me and caught the vision and stayed with me. And we've been able to do amazing things together. I allow people an extreme amount of independence. I'm whatever the opposite of a micromanager is. I don't know if that's a macro manager or what the term is, but I believe that you get good people and you give them objectives and boundaries and just let them go. Because if they get the job done, it doesn't really matter how it gets done as long as they're doing it within the company values and guidelines. So that's part of it. The other part is the businesses. They all feed one another. They all work together. Half of them are clients of the other half. And so they're certainly interconnected. But yeah, I've got an amazing team that helps me do it. And there are certainly days I feel like an imposter. You talk about imposter syndrome, and that's a real thing. I I feel like one of these days my staff is going to realize you know, how great they are and how little I bring to the table. And and they're just going to be able to do it without me, which hopefully they can because they're, they're some great people. But here's the real test. Are you able to take a vacation? Uh, No, (laughs) I have not reached that point, mainly because we've done acquisitions in the last few months that have kept me pretty busy. But to be honest, I'm not a vacation kind of guy. I love to travel. I love to learn new things. I love to experience new places and learn new languages. But I love my work. I love what I do. So sitting idle on a beach doesn't sound that good. I'll work on my laptop on a beach, but I don't like to be idle. So kudos to you. You know, I will also share the same. I could work 24-7, but I also have learned over time that in order to keep this energizer bunny of a body keep going, I actually have to stop. (laughs) Stop at least one day a week or at least a half a day just to regroup and be myself and maybe just binge on Netflix with my husband. Sometimes you need to clear the brain in order to be able to serve. Now, again, kudos to you. Congratulations for having a growing company, but also culture. You obviously enter about serving clients, doing the best work, leaving an impact. But culture, as your company grows and as the companies that you serve are growing, we all know culture is imperative. What got us started may also be necessary to keep us sustainable in the future. So how do you ensure the company culture spreads when nobody is actually connected in the same room? Well, It's certainly a moving target. And I think there are definitely times I failed. We try to do exit interviews whenever possible. And we get some amazing feedback from people. And sometimes you hear, I don't know what the company is about, or I don't know where we're going. And that's certainly useful to hear because that means we can address it. That's part of why I like to come on podcasts because I get a chance to talk about things that are near and dear to me and give employees who are interested the chance to listen. We try to have an employee newsletter go out on a regular basis. We try to have planning and and vision sessions where we talk about this is the next six to 12 months. Yeah, we just like to keep people involved as much as possible. They know our values. They know what we're about. We love to share our charitable work. I'm extremely proud of what our team has been able to do charity-wise. And people know that they're not just working to work. They're working because we're doing some good with what we have. I'm interrupting this episode to offer an absolutely free networking and educational opportunity I have created and I want you to be there. If you're a mid-level manager that loves your team and has a desire to accelerate your leadership growth, it is possible for you to become that executive leader in the next 24 months. Regardless of your area of specialty, and I know so many of you are talented, you have what it takes to be on the front line, collaborate with others, and get the job done. However, 
Let me show you how to leverage that specialized knowledge to create solid connections with other leaders while shifting your focus from day-to-day leadership skills to long-term CEO strategy. Head over to my website, dropinceo.com, and click on the Drop In CEO Collective to register for your next meeting. Now, back to the conversation. So let's just keep going here. I'm, I'm so appreciative that you focus on culture in that way because I've seen some really great companies, medium-sized companies that I'll say, oh my, the culture is amazing. They don't actually have to have regular meetings or emails or things like that because they're constantly talking to each other. They always have each other's back. They pick up the slack when somebody else needs help. And I find sometimes as the companies grow with deeper and deeper hierarchy, they lose that culture. And even when they try to cascade that PowerPoint to say, we are one company, here are our values. You talk to the rank and file, there's a big disconnect. And I'm wondering if you've seen that happen at all or how do you help your clients maintain that culture because you obviously do it well for your company but for your clients is that also part of your counsel helping those medium-sized companies and grow how do you help them in that respect it's definitely part of what we do and and i i won't pretend that we don't have pockets in our company that maybe don't feel as included as they should i would add that even though we're remote I travel as much as I can. I'm there with them. So I'll be in our Houston office next week. I'll be in our Guadalajara and Mexico City office at the end of the month. My wife just got back last night from our Chicago office. So we we try to get that FaceTime. And rather than being in the same office and never talking, we come in monthly or quarterly as much as possible and make the most of that FaceTime. Because I do think you need that to a certain degree. And that's why we love Mexico so much, because it's easy to get down and come back. Oh, so your work becomes a bit of a vacation. <laughs> it, it does. Yeah, I get to travel. I get to do the fun stuff, but I've learned to work while I do it. And I, I enjoy that. We definitely work with our clients and we offer them advice on how to try to integrate the team. Because one of the more common reasons we hear on exit interviews of why did you resign from this client? They will often say, I didn't feel like I was part of the team. I felt like I was over here and they were over there because they're in the office. And it it wasn't intentional. Nobody was trying to do it. But it's very easy to be so busy that it falls out of your mind. And so we advise people, have regular check-ins, assign them a mentor, assign them somebody that they can go to with issues. That's partially why we check in. Like, you wouldn't think this would be a needed question, but one of the things we like to ask in the first week is, okay, you've been there a week. Do you know who your supervisor is? And you'd be surprised that every once in a while we hear, no, I, I don't. I've been introduced to all these people, but I'm not sure about the chain of command. And so that's something we like to make really clear is make sure your person knows, give them a company directory. Make sure it's not just names on an email. This is who you report to. This is the subject matter expert on this. This is the person most knowledgeable about that and make them feel included. And then you've got things like virtual socials and team meetings and and what we just talked about. Make sure they're included in the vision and strategy sessions I tell people, we don't view it as outsourcing. We view it as opening your Mexico office. That's what we're helping you do. 
because these are part of your team. And we encourage clients to come down. We have apartments that clients can stay at. We have employees who fly up to the United States. We try to make that integration as seamless as possible. I love what you're saying. It's so necessary. Sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day and the business and the transactions, we forget there are people behind them. And if we don't support them, remove any barriers, try to smooth over the rough areas, you're going to, in business, feel the turbulence and really investing what is free, time or not, something that's a minimal investment is going to pay dividends. And I will tell you in my situation, I'm right now a fractional chief operations officer for like a medium-sized company. And when I came in, I was brought in at the right time. There was a lot of chaos and growing pains. But over time, once you assess what is needed, I find regular check-ins with the CEO of the company and regular check-ins with the staff just under me just kind of seems to smooth things over just by having brainstorming, kicking ideas around. Things are calming down. And while they don't, they still have challenges. There's a sense of things calming down. And then you have more time to do that strategic work. Yeah. And we're seeing that in the changing culture. The hierarchy is changing rapidly, particularly as it relates to new ideas. Oftentimes, your people in the rank and file can have some of the best ideas because they're closest to the problems. I don't know if you know this, but Google, they allow, I think it's eight hours a week on just whatever project you want to work on. Just go do something fun. Find something you think needs to be done and go do it. And that's actually where Gmail came from. They encourage people to just, you know, come up with crazy ideas. And often the people that are closest to your customers or your clients or your factory or whatever, they can be the most in touch with what you actually need. You need the big picture, but it's also good to, you know, spend time with them and listen to them. And we've really moved to a meritocracy where the best idea wins. Thank you. I'm smiling here because there's a person on the same organization. They're in the weeds. They're frontline with the customer. But all of a sudden, they're excited and they say, guess what? I'm looking into this and this is what it could do for us. I just love doing this on my own time. But kudos to companies that do it during work time because they value creativity and innovation. Sometimes we get lost in the weeds and the transaction in the direct results and not investing in the future. Now, I'm curious, when we talk about setting up businesses, whether it's your own or helping those medium-sized companies, you talk about the challenges or the advantages of long-term visioning and planning. And I know sometimes these medium-sized companies are just trying to survive and they just want to be able to pay the bills, maybe make some incremental changes. They need some staffing, things like that. But what are your thoughts around the importance of that long-term vision and planning for growing companies? I think it's absolutely vital, both as an individual and as an organization. For example, Gordian Staffing, in six weeks, I'm taking my entire leadership team on a retreat to just get away for a couple of days and just kind of, here's what we're doing, where are the pressure points, all my department heads are going. But yeah, I think it's crucial. Me personally, I travel so much that the airplanes are where I do most of my long-term thinking. I close the computer. There's no Wi-Fi. I mean, there is Wi-Fi, but I choose not to use it at times. And I just sit down with my uh, yellow legal pad. I've got a mini one here. And I I just write. What do we need? Where does it hurt? What are we great at? What can we do in the next couple of months? I have a good friend of mine that what he does is every quarter, he'll go book a nice hotel and just be alone for a day. And he'll kind of do the same thing. So he does it all at once, once a quarter. But I I think it's absolutely crucial because you can forget why you're here. Some days are so long and some, some weeks you're just 
holding on to get to six o'clock and then holding on to get to Friday and then holding on to the next payroll, hoping you have enough money. And God knows I've been there for years and you forget why you got into it and what you're hoping to get out of it. And so you just, just need to take that time, just a couple of hours, go on silent and just, just think about that. So that Rob is some of the best best advice for anybody, whether they're a business owner, C-suite leader, owner of their own company, or somebody coming up through the ranks. It's hard to parse out that time, but if we're not disciplined in investing in ourselves, then how can we expect others to practice or behave in the same way? I'm now looking at a whiteboard in front of me, and there are just ideas all over the place. Nothing that really has been a lot. And I just met with my mentor, a whole bunch of ideas. And then I also know there's three things I'm focusing on myself, investing in myself and my platforms, increasing my reach and health and wellness. I haven't figured out all the pieces, but at least I put that out there. The journey is part of the fun. <laughs> so I encourage everybody out there, if you have not yet sat down, if not goal planning, brainstorming, what do you want the future to look like? Just put random words, thoughts, sentences, let it sit there and then return because something is going to point you in a direction that you need to be doing. I do something similar. I have my whiteboard here. And what I do is at the start of every month, I put my little buckets, you know, Gordian staffing, Gordian financial consulting. And I say, what is important this month? Not a 28 point detail plan, but a subject. What is the top three or four important things that 30 days from now ought to be taken care of? So that when I'm sitting at my desk and you have that moment of like when you walk into a room and forget why you're there, you get that at your desk sometimes. You're like, what am I supposed to be doing? I look and this is what needs to get done. These are the important things that have to get done in the next month. It's always about control and moving forward versus being overwhelmed and procrastinating maybe, because that is not going to serve you. Now, I just want to get a little bit more specific and start bringing this to a close. I have potentially C-suite leaders listening to this, business owners, et cetera, who sometimes either not aware or sometimes they don't have the courage to ask for help. They're growing through that medium-sized company and maybe maybe they need to talk to a person like you. And if it's not your services, I'm sure you're smart and you know a lot of other services that maybe can help them. What would you say to that leader now who is not sure if they need to leverage the skills and resources that you offer? I think the first thing I would say to anybody is you're not alone and you're not unique. What you're going through, everyone has gone through something like maybe not exactly this, but I make mistakes. I make mistakes, giant mistakes. And I look at them and I feel like, what am I even doing? But that's why I have so many biographies. Because every great man's biography that you read, you can find countless times they did something that with the benefit of hindsight was catastrophically stupid. It's not avoiding those. It's what you do in those situations. So I would say, don't feel like you've done something that you can't get out of. Don't feel like you're the only one to ever make this mistake. Don't feel like that. The second thing I would say is always reach out just for a conversation. I always tell people, you're welcome to contact me. Forget charging, forget billing, forget billable hours. Just let's get a cup of coffee. We'll do it on Zoom. I'll have coffee. You'll have coffee. Let's just gripe about the day. Let's talk about what hurts. Let's just see what happens. Some of the best things I've ever had were from mastermind groups. Not 
professional coaches. But when I had my company in California, I reached out to property management company owners in Denver, Florida, British Columbia, and Indiana. And we would meet monthly and just say, hey, what are you guys struggling with? What's great? And we were in totally different regions, so there's no competition. And we could just be as blunt as we wanted about what we were going through. One of the best things I ever did. So there's that. The other thing is I can point to the point in my career, my journey, when things started to really turn around. And it was an outside consultant. The guy is Errol Allen. He's a, still a great friend of mine. Every time I'm in Houston visiting our office there, I like to get dinner with him. Just amazing guy. I won't say it was fun because it, it wasn't. I'll be honest. He made me cry a couple of times when I heard, here's what employees are saying. This is what's happening. Like It was not sunshine and rainbows and, and all that. But I can point to that as an inflection point when everything after that, we just started to grow up. We started to document our processes. We started to get more efficient. We started to look at things through better lenses. And I did need the outside help. And he was with us for, I think, nine months and absolutely transformative. There are times you need both or either. And I can say without both of those, I definitely wouldn't be here today. So great advice. And I will shamelessly plug when you talk about a mastermind. I too have the Drop-In CEO Collective where monthly I bring together C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow. We help with your networking capabilities so you're memorable. We provide some education and then we do some spot coaching, whether I can provide it or the collective can help solve your problems and build that community because we definitely cannot do it alone. Rob, this has been an amazing interview. I am so excited that I've been able to get to know you as well as bring your value, your culture to my audience. I really appreciate you dropping in. Any last thoughts before we bring this to a close? Something I've been thinking about a lot lately is everybody thinks we're going through this unique time. And it's challenging. It's a market shakeup. The rules are changing without question. But if you look back historically, whether it was the smartphone, whether it was the internet, whether it was the leverage buyout phase in the 80s, whether it was the cultural revolution in the 60s, the world changes once a generation. So don't feel like there's something unprecedented happened and we're all doomed. People like to talk about times like this or winnowing times and survival of the fittest. And that's true. But people always think that that means strength and it doesn't. It's not the strong that survive. It's the ones that adapt to their circumstances quickest and most efficiently. So don't focus on being strong. Focus on being adaptable and adapting to the new reality. And on that mic drop moment, we are going to bring this episode to a close. So appreciate you, Rob, coming on the show. I do wish you and your company continued success. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this episode valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who would find it useful and inspiring. Your support allows me to keep sharing insights and inspiration to leaders who are working their way to the C-suite. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.